Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 244. My name is Emily Rainbow Davis. Thank you for listening to the blogcast. I had a weird surge in numbers like the last few weeks. So hello and welcome and thank you. And that's awesome. Hooray. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, you know, for me, a weird surge is like, oh, 10 more people, <laughs> but that, you know, 10 more people are 10 more of you lovely people. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know. I feel like everything is weirdly organized now in pandemic world. Like I really thought my numbers were going to go up. When the pandemic first started, because I was like, oh, people are home, they listen to podcasts. And it was entirely the opposite for most podcasters, in fact, from what I understand. Um, so maybe this is a, like an upswing, like maybe this means people are like getting back into their lives because they're vaccinated and like stuff. At that, it be go, going back to their lives because they're vaccinated is very good. If they're just going back to stuff because they have to and uh, there's no support, <laughs> that's not so good. I hope that's not your situation. Um, I hope you're all vaccinated. That's what I hope. Anyway, or or if you're not yet, you will be soon. I'm sending good vaccine vibes to everybody. Um, today's blog is inspired by various conversations I've had with friends who are frustrated by their post-theater lives. Uh, most of these friends I'm realizing now are in like institutions, not like institution institutions, but you know, like schools of various kinds that have a maybe different vibe than like a, a, an office or something. I don't know. That my sample size is very small is what I'm trying to say. So if this doesn't make sense to you at all, maybe that's why. I don't know. But I was struck by how many similar conversations I was having with with friends about sort of frustrations and things that they were running into in their educational institutional union worlds. So anyway, without further ado, I shall give to you some Invisible Gifts of Theater Training. A lot of my theater friends have been working in other fields lately, partly due to not being able to actually work in theater in these times. I've had a fair number of conversations about how weirdly non-theater people do things. Apologies to all you non-theater folk. I know we are really the weird ones, but you're weird to us in some ways. This has made me think about some of the things the performing arts train us for that aren't just singing high notes and how to do pas de berets. One thing I've really come to value about theater people and performing arts people in general, but I'm going to let theater people stand in for everyone since I know them best, is our ability to collaborate. And I know, blah, blah, we all know collaboration is a thing. I can't tell you how many theater education meetings I've sat in where we sell the fact that we teach kids how to collaborate. Well, what does that really mean? We teach folks how to work together. Okay, who out there in the workforce thinks they didn't learn that? Everyone thinks they know how to collaborate. 
The thing is that theater people know how to collaborate in a very particular way. We know how to work with a group of disparate people with multiple specialties and work together to get something done on time and on budget. Theater people are always on time and on budget when it comes to deadlines. This means we not only know how to collaborate, we know how to do it quickly. The curtain is going up at a particular time on a particular day, and we are built to make sure that happens to the best of everyone's ability. Show folk know how to do things quickly. We know how to get on with it. We know how to make it fast, and we know how to pivot on a dime. Example, we can't afford the orange shoes. Okay, maybe we get some white ones and dye them or shine an orange light on them. And how much do we really need these orange shoes? Can they be purple? Or can we just do the show without them? And show people will make that call in a few minutes. One thing I've noticed about meetings or collaborations with non-theater folk is that even the smallest decisions can often take an unholy amount of time. And by unholy, I mean infinitely frustrating to a theater person who is used to working quickly. If you are in a meeting with a theater person, you should know that they are very likely imagining clapping their hands and thinking, go, 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 go. Sometimes I feel like half the job of theater directing is telling everyone to pick up the pace. And I've also wanted to say it at every non-theater meeting I've ever been to. Another thing I've come to appreciate about theater is our understanding of the need for a leader. I think this is related to the awareness of the curtain time. Even the most collaborative of processes, the most communal of groups, recognizes the need for someone to be the voice of leadership, even if they're not the boss. We have stage managers who will make sure we take a break. We have directors who make the final call on a lighting question the designer's been wrestling with a costume designer about. There's always someone to decide. There is always someone running the show. And if no one is running the show in another context, outside of the performing arts, I can almost guarantee you that the performing artist will step up for that role if they care at all about what the group is doing. Theater people sense a leadership vacuum, and almost everyone will step in to fill it, if necessary. If the dance captain is not there to run the rehearsal, someone else will do it. Same goes for the marketing meeting. Theater people would almost always prefer to be doing instead of talking about doing. We want to get through a meeting quickly because we need to get back to rehearsal. And we open in three days! Also... Moving quickly is a great way to actually make things happen instead of getting stuck in talking about them. Sometimes I think 90% of my work as a theater educator was just shouting, five more minutes, even if we actually had 10. I'm sorry I lied to you students, but it was the best way to keep you moving. Another obstacle my theater friends are running into in other fields is a lack of creativity, particularly in problem solving. Theater folk love to solve a problem. <laughs> Sometimes we make problems just so we can solve them. Ever hear about someone making drama? That's us. Though we really do prefer to keep it on stage. But really, we make problems to solve. Sometimes those problems are relationship or story problems. What will the prince do when the ghost of his father tells him he was murdered by the current king? And some are design problems. I used to describe the heart of my creative process as just problematizing. I'll give you an example from my real creative life. 
First day of rehearsal, devising on a project. I brought a bunch of newspapers, tape, and string, and asked my actors to stage scenes inspired by several highly visual paintings. This is a problem. There isn't a logical solution. Whatever they invent is not going to look anything like the source material, but results are a study in creativity. That's exciting stuff for me. Theater people are built to find a way. It's part of the reason we can be kind of annoying when someone tells us something is impossible. We can make the sun rise in a small space using only light and imagination. We're not inclined to believe that things aren't possible. In other fields, when someone says, oh, we can't change that rule because we don't have the data, the non-theater folk will shake their heads and say, oh, that's too bad. Oh, well. The theater person asks, well, how do we get the data? And eventually, this leads to a heist movie with six union reps breaking into an administrator's file cabinet. No, no, it probably doesn't. But we would entertain it as a possibility. Theater folks don't give up when a problem is on the line. This is part of the reason that I'm convinced that if someone had entrusted the vaccine rollout to theater people, we'd all be vaccinated by now. Seriously, there's an entire field of people out of work who are used to managing large groups of people who do things quickly and efficiently and are not daunted by impossible tasks. Let's get ourselves a new WPA, and our first show is the vaccine rollout. Can theater people be annoying? Yes, the most. We are the worst. But we tell good stories. And there are a lot of things we learn to do that are worth every silly penny of our theater training education. It might seem like I'm here to pat theater folk and therefore myself on the back to give out some awards in a year where there definitely won't be any. But really, it's a plea to recognize that some of the gifts of an arts education are not obvious and yet also extremely valuable. Arts funding has been gutted. Money for arts education in the city where I live is gone. I understand why that happened. How do you teach theater on Zoom? Personally, I don't know. But I know a lot of people who figured it out. So, hey, bring it on back. But the results have an impact on things far beyond the artists who lost their jobs or the students who lost their art class. Every time I hear about my theater friend's experience in other fields, I am reminded of the gifts of an arts education that even I hadn't noticed. Sometimes we try to sell our work as good for collaboration or great for teaching empathy and tolerance or I don't know what we say anymore, but maybe we need to get more specific. Maybe we need to lay it all on the line, talk ourselves up, give ourselves some awards. Also, if you're looking for an employee who completes projects on time and on budget, who knows how to take charge in a group and who can problem solve creatively and quickly, might I suggest a theater person? They're all out of work right now. You could probably get anyone you wanted. And you're sure to get some good stories to go along with them. Just be prepared to pick up the pace. Guess what kind of people like this post the most? You're right. It's theater people, of course. And uh, I, I didn't hear from other performing artists, but 
I do think this is as much about them as as us. Um, I, I I know similar kinds of deadlines and collaborativity. Is that a word? It's not, but I like it better than collaboration. Anyway, they, those things happen in the other performing arts as well, um, in in different sort of ways. Um, so we could all use uh, a little extra support. New WPA, please. Federal Theater Project, please. And whatever they call the other performing arts federal projects back in the old days, let's bring it on back. Come on. Go ahead. Won't hurt. <sighs> anyway, uh, I mostly wrote this to stop talking about all the other things I've been nonstop talking about. <laughs> so I was like, I can't do another COVID-themed post or talk about Spanish television anymore. Although I'm sorry, there's going to be more. There's going to be more. I, ju- I mean, come on. Woo! Uh, <laughs> it's coming. I was at uh, my my little bagel place outdoors where I where I go to write today, and uh, behind me, I swear I it's, it's over, hard to overhear things in a language you don't really speak. But I'm pretty sure I heard somebody behind me say "estaba in velvet," and I was like, "Oh, they're talking about velvet, the television show that I was watching," and I think they were talking about an actor from Velvet, but I didn't hear the first part of the conversation, and then. I could not understand a single word after it, but boy, do I have Spanish television primed ears. Yes, I do. <laughs> and it has to be from Spain, apparently. I would, I should investigate. There's got to be other, is it just Spain I'm interested in? I don't think so, but maybe, anyway, I should, I should investigate some other nationalities, perhaps. Any recommendations? Like, is there a really awesome, like, Mexican show? I would watch that. I tried, I watched some American shows uh, recently and then I had to go back. I tried, I held out for as long as I could, but then I, I had to return. <sighs> anyway, that's for another time. I'll, t- I'll tell you all about that the next, for the next one of those posts. Um, so, uh, song here today is... Uh, I, I wasn't, I didn't, I don't, you know, there's not songs really about these things that I could sort of pull out and it's not like about any one particular thing and I, I don't know, I, I nothing really like spoke directly to um, this piece, but I have a little playlist of songs that I'm thinking I should learn or might be come in handy or that that feel like they could be fun to explore. And uh, there's a lot of Patty Griffin on that on that under consideration list. Um, I I've sort of returned to her. I listened to her a bunch probably, gosh, 15 years ago or something. Um, and I I just sort of forgot about this album Flaming Red, which I adore and forgot that I had and that I loved, you know, because like all my CDs are in storage. So I like if they were from a particular period, like they just not stuck in in the way that say like the CDs from my like high school years. Like I know I know about the like I know those CDs, but like 
especially because the CDs didn't come in until sort of towards the end of my high school experience. Anyway, what I'm saying is I forgot about Patty Griffin a little bit. Not entirely, just a little bit. Uh, and so the song that I decided might be good for this piece is uh, it's called One Big Love from that album, Flaming Red. <clears throat> and uh, I feel like it's it's... Like the love of theater a little bit is like the one big love, you know, <laughs> that's a little cornball, but it's how I feel, I guess, that that's, that is one big love, man. It, it's uh, big and complicated and, and, uh, and it's like fun sometimes, you think, <laughs> at the beginning especially. Um, yeah, so, so I recorded One Big Love on ukulele. And, um, yeah, so you'll hear that in just a minute. Meanwhile, thank you so much for listening. And, uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, tell someone about it, share it, do all the things like subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. If you feel like you would like to support the podcast with your dollars, we have patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis, uh, also Kofi and PayPal, all those links are in the show notes and all contributions are incredibly welcome and I am grateful for them and they help a lot. So, uh, thank you for your ears and attention and your time. And, uh, I give to you Patty Griffin's one big love. Everybody's gone and it's groovy They went to the one by
riding on air. 